Coming up on this week's Golf Digest podcast, we talk to U.S. Senior Open champion David Toms. We talk about Francesco Molinari's win in the Quicken Loans National. And of course, talk about Tiger Woods' uh, recent run of encouraging play. All coming up next on the Golf Digest podcast. My God, my swing feels like an unfolded lawn chair. Why do they even have one if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! What is this, Costa? Mine's off the rack. I wish Tiger Woods was here to help me with this. We'll do it live! Welcome to the Golf Digest Podcast. This is Sam Wyman. I'm joined in studio by Keely Levins, and I'm joined by Alex Myers on the road from his golf trip in Virginia. Alex, good afternoon. Hey, how's it going, guys? You sound disappointed. What's going on? Yeah, a little disappointed. Came up short at the uh, the 25th HDG Championship. Uh, finally played well, though, today. So it's nice to end on a good note, I guess. But I lost uh, by a point in this round-robin system to a former Golf Digest employee, actually, Eric Lebowitz. Wins his first green jacket. Uh, long time coming. He well-deserved. He, he played the best of anyone on the trip. But, yeah, definitely always a little, uh, you know, disappointing when you come up short and, and when it's not in your hands at the end i, I needed him to lose the ma- his match and, and he didn't and yeah anyway good trip though good what uh what was missing in your game well you know it's funny you ask that i i uh some of these guys don't believe me here i have a case of the driver gifts I'm, I'm not kidding around here and i know this is a serious thing a serious affliction for for some it, uh, you know manifests on the putting green mostly for guys but i know hank haney is driving gifts i might have to call him up see how he uh, combats this because i go out of the driving range and hit about 30 drivers in a row uh all pretty good and then once or twice per nine i literally not finish my swing and hit a you know 90 to 45 degree angle block slice into the tree good god it's just like it's so frustrating and uh it's mental i'm I'm embarrassed i'm mentally weak uh it's it's uh (laughs) it's not your fault Mm-hmm. I don't know, Keely. I don't know. It I, happens, I, I though. Week. Sam, the same thing used to happen to me in tennis mm-hmm. on my second serve. I couldn't get my second serve in, so there's something. And, like, I would hit weird serves just into the bottom of the net, like, over and over again. So there's something about, like, not the, the neurons or whatever don't fire uh, under pressure. Uh, it's pretty incredible. I mean, it, it really is a real thing. So that, that was disappointing. But it, once I got it in play, I kind of slapped it around and did okay. But, man, not being in play is so frustrating. Ugh. You should Wait. read that piece. Remember a couple years ago we did that piece with Henrik Stenson about how – Oh, I read it. Yeah. I, I, I was lying in bed two nights ago, and I read it. I was trying to – I was watching he was videos. playing all the angles. <laughs> I, was, I was doing everything. I mean, probably – that probably hurt. Uh, Sam, I know you're very into the mental aspect of sports. That probably – I don't know if that hurt or helped that I was consciously thinking about it. I thought it was good to admit that I had it and kind of, like, try to – It's I, healthy. I watched something that said try to have an image in your head as you're swinging that, that you know, good image that will, like, counteract – I tried everything. Uh, it's it's really crazy that, and, and it only happens when I go on this trip every year. So it's obviously like under pressure. I just tense up and lose it. But yo, know, I I was looking up everything, Keely. I was I was reading. I was watching videos. I, I anything. I could. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was going to the range over. We would play around in 97 degree heat, and they would go in to order lunch. I would go out to the range, hit like 30 more drivers. Grinding. Sweating. I love it. And, and you I, said you hit drivers fine on the range, right? 
perfect. It, there's almost no. That's the thing. There's almost no point to even go to the range. Yeah, because you're just thought, a total headcase. Find like I was trying to find like a key that I could just remember. Just like, one, one thought. Day, yeah. Like turn and then finish left, and I just kept saying that over and over to myself, and that seemed to work until I did it a couple times, of course. So I don't even know if, it's, if it was worthwhile going to the range because I hit it great on the range, and then and I would hit it, you know, pretty good for the most part. But the, like I said, one or two per nine. I mean, so embarrassingly bad, it's crazy. By the way, we should so. mention that we have David Toms, the U.S. Senior Open champion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but no, I was going to say, let's scrap that and just go hole by hole of Alex's <laughs> golf trip oh, where yeah, he finished gonna, second. Hey, well, I'll tell you what. I made four birdies today, which for okay. me— Hey, there you go. Birdies, uh, and, and I could add a couple others, so I finally played well today. But David Toms, you know, I know he's one of the most accurate drivers out there. I, I, I wish I had talked to him. I could have uh, maybe gotten some tips on— uh, how to find the fairway so well it's funny i mean you you probably missed it but the big thing with david toms uh when he won was he birdied the 16th hole to take a one-shot lead and then he goes to 17 he pulls his tee shot into the i wasn't pulled it but he he hit his tee shot in the bunker and just like in uh, 2001 when he won the pga he had to lay up so he laid up to like a wedge distance had 88 yards and had to get up and down for par just to retain the lead and then went on to win on the next hole so it was very similar Yeah, but but, uh, very similar. Um, And then, of course, Francesco Molinari just lights up uh, TPC Avenal by winning uh, with a 62 and kind of goes running away, which made that Sunday a little anticlimactic, but it also kind of fuels more fire about the Ryder Cup, and everyone's now talking about how, you know, Team Europe is loaded, and they should, you know, if they started today, they would they would just walk away with it. But I don't know. You can't say that, no, no. though. First of all, it's the dumbest thing in the world because, you know, it's just, first of all, how you're playing now has very little indication of how you're going to play in September, especially in a totally different event. But, you know, it's fun to talk about because it obviously makes everyone excited to think about, you know, all these different players who are kind of peaking. Yeah. Um, well, definitely, but, I mean, obviously the crazy story with him was that he skipped. Uh, you know the French Open, where mm-hmm. he had great success. Right, right. I picked him. I picked him. Well, he was one of my picks last week. So you know, for this week, so I'm patting myself on the back. Uh, but <laughs> I, I remember looking it up and being like, "Wait a second, why isn't he playing the French Open?" And I know he was asked about that a bunch, and he had he's had great success over there. You mentioned the Ryder Cup. That's where they're going to be playing. You right. Think he'd want to get some reps there. Even Justin Thomas went over there and played, and he comes over here because. He really liked the look of this course. Right. He thought it fit, it fit his eye. And, I mean, talk about making the right decision. Yeah. I mean, he just pounced on a, you know, kind of weak field. And, of course, he, he thought he could get around pretty well. And, God, what a performance. Uh, just blowing away the field on I, Sunday. That was really impressive. I haven't mm-hmm. seen any quotes um, this morning or yesterday from Thomas Bjorn about Molinari. But where do you think he falls on that? Because on one side, he blew off a chance to play competitively at the venue uh, of the Ryder yeah. Cup. And the other one, you know, obviously – Played great and lit it up. So, you think yeah, he's okay with it? I, I would think. You know what? That's a great point. I think that that probably put a lot of pressure on him. Because right. If he, yeah. If he, you know, missed the cut. Then Bjorn's thinking, dude, what the heck? Why mm. did you even do that? But the, you know, he so he put a lot of pressure on himself to play well and to kind of prove that it was the right decision. And of course, Thomas Bjorn now, you know, this guy's a lock to be on the team now. He's not gonna. Uh, he's not going to lose any points now for for right. playing a PGA Tour event for the first time. But you're right. I mean, if he had not played well, it kind of, again, it was kind of a head scratcher coming right. into the week. Because mm-hmm. It really was. So you're right. That could have uh, rubbed uh, Bjorn the wrong way. And of course, in France, Alex Noren 
wins, and he's going to be a lock for that team as well. So, yeah. I mean, there's a lot. And then let's talk what well, you said. That it's a pretty weak field at Quicken Loans, but one guy who obviously had a good week was Tiger Woods. Um, you know, even yeah. par start and then three rounds in the 60s. I mean, exactly. Tiger gets off to a good start in that tournament. He probably wins. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it at least puts some more pressure on Molinari. I mean, I know, unfortunately, on, on Saturday he had that charge going the four straight birdies. He finished, you know, as we've seen this year, not being able to finish off those rounds. He bogeyed 18. That kind of put him six shots back. It's such a tough task. You know, there were a lot of guys uh, in between him in the lead. But had he gotten up to a better start on, on uh, Thursday, certainly things could have been different. I mean, I'm just impressed. I mean, he, his scoring average now is, is 69.7, I think, for the season. Um, he stayed in the top five in, in strokes gained approach to the green and strokes gained around the green. I think strokes gained tee to green. He's number six now. Um, you know, obviously, he hit an iron, a lot of irons off the tee at, the, at this course at DPC uh, Potomac. But, uh, man, I mean, talk about a stripe show with the irons. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, it, it, you know, I was, I was either watching or tracking it while I was out on the, on the course because, you know, I, I, that's how Tiger Woods is. Even if you're playing in your own tournament, you still don't know what he's doing. <laughs> and um, it just seemed like he was getting himself six to eight, ten-footers on every hole. And, you know, I can't even really tell that the, the experiment with the mallet, um, if he was satisfied or not, because he did make a lot. But he did. But a ton of birdies. Right. He had a ton of birdies. He tied with yeah. Ferrari, But he also seemed like he missed a lot from inside of ten feet. But he made more than right. he's been making. I think that the, he, he the mallet yeah. was overall a success. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think so. And it's also one of those things where it sort of feeds off itself. You start seeing putts go in or yes. like, with more regularity, then it suddenly becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy a little bit. Yeah, I agree right. with that. We should also mention the Women's LPG, or the women's PGA Championship, where yep. Sung Hyun Park had won after kind of a sluggish start to the season. Yeah, absolutely. It was, um, it was really good to see her win because, you know, last year, her rookie year, she won the U.S. Open, among other events, and, um, well, I guess just one other event, but she had so many top three finishes. She was Rookie of the Year, Co-Player of the Year, and you're just looking at her thinking, like, oh, my gosh, like, this is it. This is the next dominant player, and she's missed five cuts right. this season. Like, it, and you could tell that it was bothering her. How could it not? You know, she's a super stoic, like emotionless player, and she wins this playoff against So Young Ru, and all of a sudden she's just breaking down in tears. Mm-hmm. It was I was I thought it was a really great moment, um, and I was definitely happy for her. How could you not be happy for a player like that in that situation? That's great. It's, it kind of validates yes. everything she had done last year, and you know you don't want to see a player like that have this great year and then suddenly. Yeah, because one one bad right. season can turn into two, and then all of a sudden, you know, you can, like you said, disappear. Alex, did you follow also this other uh, percolating storyline involving Joel Dahman? Uh, and yeah. 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 And well, before we get into that, did you have any rules disputes on your trip? Because that always <laughs> makes for some awkward dinnertime conversations. You know, you know, we didn't, and actually, there was some very some good signs of sportsmanship. Actually, one time. Uh, Someone found their ball after they had dropped, and they, we let the guy play. We're we're pretty loose with the rules. I mean, we take this competition seriously. But there was, and then and then uh, that was Eric actually got that break. But then Eric gave like an eight footer to the other guy. Whoa! They the hole, so we gave a little round of applause. It was good sports. The, the real winner there is the game of golf. The game of golf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, some good good sportsmanship. All nice around. feel good story. Happily to report no rules violations. However, this is a little. This one's a little dicey. It just makes me uncomfortable it's using so the cringy. word. It's so cringy. Yeah. So it has all has to. And I, unfortunately, I haven't seen video of 
Right. Yeah. Me neither. That's the hard part. But essentially, it sounds like there was a dispute about where the ball crossed the hazard mm-hmm. and what on which side of the hazard he dropped on. And make it even worse is that the rule. I mean, in one on one side, a rules official completely cleared Kang and said, "Yeah, he was there right. and like told him, yes, like drop here, yeah. like drop on the closer side." Yeah. And then yeah. you know it was just so it's not quote unquote cheating if a rules official ended up agreeing with you. Well, I mean, you uh, well, again, yeah, yeah. far be yeah. it for me to to call someone a cheater because I don't have all the information. However, a rules official clearing you does not necessarily um, take Absolve. the onus off of you in you know regulating right. yourself. That's that was right. What, I mean, you right. You assume that the rules official is watching closely, but it's very possible they they didn't on that particular shot, or they just didn't have a great angle on it. Mm-hmm. And at that point, like you said, I mean, it's the onus is on the player, and then you know the next guy is really the playing partner to me, and and the fact that Joel Dahman put up such a fight that a group had to play through. Right. Yeah, I mean, incredible. That's crazy. You do not see that. That's he didn't just kind of say, "All right, if you want to drop there, go for it." I right. mean, he actually put up a fight. That was his quote. I fought, you know, I fought yeah. so I was blue in the face. Um, that's an unusual circumstance and and you hate to hear that or see that. But again, I mean, I, I haven't seen the video evidence. Uh, you know, every once in a while we hear about maybe a a, a bad drop uh, here or there. It, it's not it's not great when you hear about that stuff, but it's got to go on. Uh, you know, think about it. These guys are actually kind of in contention. Uh, it must go on early in the rounds when guys aren't on TV. Well, that's right. the thing. Is, nah. you, you, we talk all the time about kind of the unfair scrutiny that players like Tiger right. and Phil are put right. under. There right. is no chance that an incident like this happens with Tiger and there's no video no of way. it. Right. I mean, well, so, but, but Sam, you say that, and then look what happened at the players a few years ago with Tiger and Casey Wittenberg, and everybody says Casey Wittenberg caved in and – and Tiger took a bad drop. I think on the 14 total yes, players. Yes, right. We're right. across so the hazard, right? It, it can happen, but even then. But there was still video know, of that, Alex. That's the thing is, there, there was video. Video and there was blimp footage. Right. And they were trying to call in that people on NBC were getting involved, and and right, that's where it becomes kind of unfair because it really should come down to the, the players on the course uh, because not everybody, like you said, is under that screw. Well, what I would say is is without having seen the incident myself. Um, and again, the tour cleared uh, Sung Kang. They released a statement to Joel Beal. They said, uh, with no clear evidence to prove otherwise, it was determined by the official that Kang could proceed with his fourth shot as intended, following a penalty stroke and subsequent drop. The PGA Tour will have no additional comment. However, having said all that, if you're Joel Dahman, why would you raise this issue unless you have serious doubts about how it proceeded? Like, it doesn't, doesn't, yeah. doesn't, um, it's, it's super awkward. Right. It's a lot of trouble. I can't imagine he's someone who's going to take pleasure in um, taking someone else's credibility into to question or integrity into question. So obviously, something about the whole situation rubbed him the wrong way. Yeah, he. Cle- I mean, he felt yeah. so he felt strongly enough to yeah. hold up play for you know twenty minutes. Have you ever accused someone of cheating? Um. Other than Alex. Other, oh, other than Alex. Um, no, I. I guess I haven't – no, I didn't. I remember calling people on things like you teed in front of the tee markers. like Before or after they hit? Well, I, like, said to her as she was – as she teed up, I was like, oh, you're ahead of the tee markers. And she didn't stop, and she was in her backswing, and I was like, you're ahead of the tee markers, and she still hit it. And then the other girl in our group and I were just looking at each other like, 
what just happened. Right. And so then we we said to her, we we're like, sorry, but you literally just teed off in front of the team markers. We tried to say something. She's like, oh my god. And so did she take the penalty? She took it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So. But then there was another time that a girl, like, she made, like, a, it was, like, junior golf. She made, like, a six, and she said she made a five. And I, like, argued it for, like, 30 seconds, and then was like, you know what? I'm just going to have to beat you anyway. Oh, wow. Classic. Yeah. Rising above. So I did. I rose above. I conquered. Um, But, yeah, no, nothing like this. I never argued for more than, like, a minute on anything. Yeah. Well, anyway, like, super awkward, but at the same time, um people are fascinated by it because it's, you know, kind yeah. of the worst parts of human nature coming to come to the fore. And it sounds like nothing's going to happen, but I, you know, if, if history is any indication, this is the type of thing that will kind of stick with a player even after it's right. over. Um, and in that, in that sense, he's probably best to address it, but we'll see what happens. Um, okay. Listen, uh, I did want to talk about David Thomas for a second, who we spoke to call us from Colorado. Uh, very exciting win for him. It's his first win on the Champions Tour, PGA Tour Champions. He's the eighth player, I believe, to have made the U.S. Senior Open his first win on the senior circuit. And pretty surprising because you think a guy like that, major champion, you know, multiple-time winner on the PGA Tour, would kind of step out on tour to and and dominate. But he says it's you know it's it's much harder than you think. And this was a tough win as well because there was like five guys who are tied at two under. For most of the day, uh, Tom's had a weird week because his caddy in the beginning of the week went to the hospital with chest pains. His son took over the bag for the yeah. first two days, and which is amazing to me was that his son, who plays college golf at LSU, had never caddied before. Right. Never caddied on a, with a big bag before. And he was saying, Tom's was saying how nervous he was. Right. He was like, oh my gosh, like I don't want my son to get in the way, telling his playing partners, just well, yell at him or like. Right. Well, one of the guys was BJ Singh. Like, think about well, that. True. Like, <laughs> Like, you know, you it's a bad rake job in the bunker. You suddenly have to apologize for your stuff. But, you know, and that was, like, one of the things we talked about is, like, at what level do you um, – do you does that become, a, a, like, a kind of a welcome distraction in the sense that you're not sort of fixating on every shot and stressing about it because mm-hmm. you're worried about all these other things? And on what level is, like, you're unable to focus on golf because you're worried about all these other things and you're sufficiently – sufficiently scattered it's like when i play golf and i get an email from work and suddenly i'm spending the next five holes trying to craft a response to the email and not thinking about what shot i should be hitting but then again i'm not a really good example because i'm kind of a mental midget but anyway uh david thomas was great um again first win u.s senior open certainly the biggest win in senior golf and we're going to talk to him now Okay, joining me from Colorado is U.S. Senior Open champion David Toms. David, congratulations on the win. Thank you, Sam. It was a it was a great week here at the Broadmoor. Um, you know, just a beautiful place. Golf course was challenging but fair, and um, just you know, obviously when you come out on top, it makes it fun. But it really was an enjoyable week, regardless of the outcome. Yeah, you know, uh, this was your first win of any type on the uh, PGA Tour Champions, or as a senior. I'm curious when you when you kind of make that uh, that switch or or start on that tour, what are your expectations going in? Do you think you know wins are going to come easy because you're suddenly uh, the young guy on tour, or how does it how does it actually jive with reality? 
Well, I mean, I think expectations were pretty high in the beginning, but, um, you know, the more, you know, the more tournaments that I played out here on the Champions Tour, the more that you realize that, you know, you have to play really well. And uh, I had opportunities to win along the way the last year and a half, but um, just never could quite get it done. I either didn't have a great final round or somebody played better or whatever it might have been, but, um, you know, guys played really well. And I was, not that I was surprised, but um, I really didn't understand the level of competition out here. Um, you know, until you get out here and you play, no matter who you are, you just you have to continue to to play great golf to have a chance, and um, it finally happened. What, what you know, other than just being mindful of the competition, what do you think is the biggest difference between the the Champions Tour and what you what you uh, faced on the on the regular tour for so many years? Well, um, first of all, the golf courses, um, you know, not that they're easy by any means, but they're, um, you know, I, I feel like you can score a lot better if you play great. You know, when you can shoot some low rounds where the PGA Tour, the golf courses are so long and difficult for uh, a guy like myself that it was hard to, to shoot low scores. I mean, I could still play good golf, but... You know, I mean, good golf was finishing 25th, and whereas good golf out here for me is a chance to win a golf tournament. And so that's the biggest difference. And, um, you know, just the, the attitude amongst the players and the way they approach the game. I mean, everybody's competing, but at the same time, uh, you know, you, it's a, a, a different atmosphere. It's more laid back, and people look forward to each and every day. And for the most part, you don't have cuts, and so you don't have everybody uptight about that. And, um, you know, so you can kind of plan your schedule most weeks. And right. It just makes it uh, a more enjoyable experience. For sure. So pretty eventful week on a number of levels. Let's start with um, the early part of the week in your caddy. Uh, being rushed to the hospital, and then your son Carter stepping in on the back. So talk me through kind of the emotions, the first part of of, of Scotty having to uh, to go to the hospital and how you handled all that. Well, I mean, it was an interesting situation. I didn't really know what was going on. I'm waiting for my uh, first round on Thursday. I talked to my wife, and she kind of informed me what was going on. I think Scott didn't want to worry me, and um, – you know, my son was ready to go, and had actually a couple of friends in the crowd too that probably could have caddied that uh, they were walking around if my son couldn't make it all the way around. You know, it's a hard golf course; he'd never caddied before and carried the big bag. And, um, you know, it was it was an interesting situation. You know, just, you know, at a time where I was worried about Scott, I was still trying to figure out what I needed to do on the golf course, and probably had to do more work as far as getting yardages and doing things that I normally had to do, but my son and I had a great time. It was really, you know, a fun start to the week being out there with him and walking around with him and um, just kept me calm, and he did a really good job, especially on Friday when things weren't weren't going very well. I didn't get off to a very good start. He kept me in there, kept grinding, and kept me focused and just had a really good time with him, so it set me up for a, a pretty special week. 
Brett. You know, that can go one of two ways, I'm sure, where you have all these sort of outside distractions. You had talked about how you were a little bit worried about Carter, you know, how he was raking bunkers and things like that because he yeah. hadn't caddied before. And it can go one of two ways. One is that you're sufficiently distracted and it affects your golf negatively. And the other way is maybe it sort of frees you up because you're not overly pressing on the golf course. So how have you dealt with I mean, I'm sure you've had other distractions at times, uh, outside distractions on the golf course before. How have you dealt with it in the past, and, and how was this different? Well, I mean, you know, the, the thing that helped me, especially this week, um, was that without, with the altitude, with the greens the way they were, and trying to figure out where the low points were off the mountain, you just never really could get ahead of yourself. And so, um, you know, my son helped me with that a lot, and... Um, you know, I, like I said, I was worried about Scott, but at the same time, he just had to be there on every shot. And so, um, you know, that that this type of golf course and this type of golf in general at altitude really helps take you away from all the distractions where you know that you have to be there because you can make a big mistake if you're not paying attention to what you're doing. Is that a weird feeling, by the way, I was going to ask about when you're playing different yardages, like for, you know, X number of years or 51 weeks out of the year, you know you hit, you know, nine iron, whatever, this number, and yeah. now suddenly, like, even subconsciously, I, I have to think that there it just feels weird at times. Well, it is different, um, certainly. But, um, you know, and I think it's good for me because, obviously, patience hasn't been one of my strong points, getting ahead of yourself, whether you're playing good or bad, <clears throat> and, you know, thinking ahead. And, and certainly golf played at altitude and, around the mountains you have to uh you have to be there and uh on every shot so every shot should mean the same but a lot of times when you're playing it's it's hard to make yourself do that Mm -hmm. and and so it really helps me this type of um this type of golf right you had also mentioned talking about patience um that earlier in your career usga events were tough for you because you didn't have the patience Mm -hmm. so that you know, that's obviously a hot button uh, topic this time of year, every year on the U.S. Open because it's such a difficult test. You know, how is your, how what was your perception of the U.S. Open as a player uh, early on in your career and the challenges that are, you know, that arise those weeks and how has sure. that evolved? Well, first of all, I think you know you have to approach it different than a normal tour event. Um, you know, you don't play near as aggressive. Um, sometimes you have to lay back off the tee and you still have a long shot in, but you have to get it in the fairway. I just didn't do a very good job of that. You know, in a, in a game where you're always go, 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 trying to be aggressive to shoot low scores to try to win tournaments. And then you get to the U.S. Open, it's like you have to play opposite. Um, and I just really didn't do a very good job of it and didn't have a very good record. And then I started to, you know, play the way that you have to play and started getting better results and, um, had some good U.S. Opens uh, throughout the latter, you know, latter part of my career on the PGA Tour, and so I learned a lot from that, and that certainly helped me this week. I was disappointed last year, and I didn't play well at Salem um, Country Club because, um, you know, I felt like I could a game would suit a U.S. Senior Open, and I just drove it terrible last year and never gave my gave myself much of an opportunity to play well, and this year. Um, other than just a couple drives here and there, the driver really set me up to have a great week. Right. And, of course, the the drive on, on 17 is what everyone's talking about today because it's such mm-hmm. 
reminiscent moment. Um, so talk me through that sequence where you see what your lie is and you make the connection where you realize I'm going to have to lay up here and and then ultimately obviously making the connection to the layup you had in 2001. Well, first of all, when I hit it, um, I thought it was okay off the tee. I was trying to work it off that bunker left or right just a little bit. Um, and, you know, the wind was a little right to left, I guess, and down, and it just got into the bunker. And I had no idea how bad it was until we got up last 50 yards walking up to the ball. And I knew then I was just going to have to just chop it down the fairway and try to get it down there as close as I could to the green. And and I did that. And to be honest, I, uh, I didn't hit a very good third shot. Um, you know, I was in the middle of the fairway from – 88 yards mm-hmm. or something like that so it was just a little lob wedge and i didn't hit a very good shot probably nerves got me a little bit there but i you know really did a good job you know figuring out the putt and what the speed and line was and I had a great putt and obviously it was a pretty timely putt as well and um between that putt and the one on 16 i mean that was the difference in the, in the tournament for me do you feel like it's going to, you know, even reinforce even further that your legacy is going to be kind of the, one of the clutch guys in being able to lay up and be patient? Do you relish that <laughs> reputation? Well, I mean, I just think it's been the circumstance in a couple of big tournaments. Um, you know, I've always felt like I, I could perform under pressure. Um, you know, I mean, I've had my, the times where I've completely fallen apart, but I've also had some times where I came through and um, you know, I've, I've had, you know, for some reason in those situations, I have a, a calmness that, uh, you know, I don't know what it is. And maybe it's belief in myself that I can get it done, but um, certainly worked out that way yesterday. For sure. So um, it looked to me, and the guys on TV were saying this as well, that, you know, over those last few spots, especially the last one, which was pretty nervy, um, you know, some heavy breathing going on from you. I'm curious, just from the mental yeah. side of the game, how crucial is that to your routine, especially in really tense moments? And, you know, is that something you've learned over time and sort of being able to implement that? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, when I look back and times that I've putted my best or played my best, you know, it really is all about breathing. And it's funny that, uh, you know, I had a guy, an old, an, an older pro at the LSU golf course when I was in college and I asked him I think I was probably my second or third year in college and we were out there one day during a rain delay sitting in the clubhouse his name was Al Michaels and we called him Mr. Al and I asked him I said well, Mr. Al what do I need to do to make it in golf and he said son all you got to do is keep on breathing <laughs> and you know I mean that's just kind of I think about that a lot you know just just breathe and uh you know, help settle yourself down, calm your nerves. I mean, it doesn't always work, but certainly something that you can think about outside the outside the, the shot itself. And, uh, you know, that's try, what I try to do, and it slows you down a little bit, keeps you in the moment, and releases a little bit of tension. And so it's something that, uh, I mean, I've always concentrated on. Right. They always say, like, mental coaches always talk about it kind of allows you to have an external focus as opposed to thinking about, you know, sure. this putt is to win the U.S. Open or whatnot. Man, we're 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 trying to do anything we can to <laughs> uh, to get the job done, and it's such a mental game that you know sometimes you just kind of have to you know uh, just really really be there and try everything to to get it done. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But 
obviously yesterday it helped me a lot. That's great. Well, listen, congratulations. Talk me through real quick. Uh, what's your what's the rest of your week, uh, year look like? Well, I'll uh, I'll be in Chicago for the Senior Players Championship. I, I hear good things about Exmoor Country Club. A couple guys have played it old style. Don Ross. I look forward to that. And I'll be over at the uh, Senior British at St Andrews a couple weeks after that. And just a lot of great tournaments through the fall for us. You know, we play a lot in the fall, which unfortunately it's during football season for me, and I like <laughs> to pull my Tigers through. But um, I'll pick and choose some in the fall to play. Now, obviously, now that I've won this, it kind of sets me up to, uh, you know, throughout the rest of the year. So, you know, I, I don't know. I'll be playing a bunch, though, and I look forward to hopefully uh, continuing to, to, to play great. Well, that's great. Well, congratulations and enjoy it, and thanks for joining us, David. Take care. Okay, thanks again to David Thomas for joining us on the podcast. Congratulations on the win. We're going to let Alex go because he's got a long drive home from Charlottesville, Virginia, back to the office. He's going to be in the office by, what, 6 o'clock tonight, Alex? Is that what we said? <laughs> yeah, I'll do my best. All right. We'll see. Yeah, thanks. I, I got to go now and uh, do the green jacket ceremony. Uh, I got to flip it on Eric uh, Eric's shoulders there. Oh, what uh, also, a dagger! I to mention, he did he did the Crenshaw cry when he tapped in, even though the match had been over for about thirty minutes. He, he orchestrated that, so good job by him. That's but, great. But uh, no, I got to put I got to put the jacket on now. Unfortunately, it was nice having it around. I'm sure my wife will be happy. It's not laying in our living room anymore. But <laughs> got to do that, and then yeah, I got to hit the road. So, All right. But thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. All right. All right talk later. Hi right, guys, later. Bye. Okay, that was Alex. Uh, Kelly and I are still here. You know, the one thing we didn't talk about was some lingering discussion about the U.S. Open. Um, this was kind of revived earlier in the week by Rocco Mediate, and then Tiger uh, this weekend had made a reference to how the RNA doesn't try to quote unquote manufacture an Open, and they don't care what uh, they don't care about par as a score as much as the USGA. And then earlier in the week, Rocco BDA on the other side was saying that all the complaining from players it made him sick to his stomach. They shouldn't play if they don't like it. So, I mean, it continues to be a I real hot-button topic. Uh, yeah, I can't believe we're still talking about it. It's um, And I love – Tiger was just so – coy about mm -hmm. it too i mean it was just amazing that you know he makes this comment and then um he's asked as a follow-up um it's that like a dig at yeah. the usga and, and then he, he plays deaf and he just exactly <laughs> plays deaf and is just like so a little smirky about it and just walks away right well it's amazing we're talking about a three-time u.s open champion and of course uh was it nine-time usga champion so this is not a guy because there's certain guys who have had very limited success in USGA events, and they have sure. a bone to pick with USGA. Um, you know, but this is not the case. Rocket Media, of course, went to you went to a playoff mm -hmm. in the US Open as well, so he's not exactly a slouch in USGA events. So, I do th I do think that um, Tiger's sort of jab carries some weight to it. Mm -hmm. um, I happen to be sympathetic to him more than Rocco, who was basically on the other side of it, which was deal with it this is what it's all about if well that's like that's part of what made Rocco's comment so kind of surprising is very few if no other players were talking like that at all no one said like oh you should just toughen up I mean it is there is the good point of like oh if you don't want to be there there's thousands of golfers that want to take your place and like I get that but I don't I'm with you I more side on the 
it, tiger you know, side of things. Well, yeah, it's like the they always say the same about the U.S. Open, especially once sort of everyone's emotions cool down. You know, a month later, two months later, they say, "Oh, you do it one week a year." Uh, I wouldn't want to do it every week, but it's a great test, and it's supposed sure. to be hard. I just think, you know, we've talked about this before, but when when you when you cross that line, when it goes from being difficult to being unfair or being tricky or being uh, overly manipulated, that's mm-hmm. when you have a right to be frustrated. Because, and I've had this talk with tons of friends who, you know, yeah. are not in the golf business, who just say, "Well, they all had to play the same golf course." And I would say, "Yeah, not but quite. That's not really." Not the personally. morning versus right. the afternoon was a different golf course. The morning versus the afternoon is one thing, and the other thing is that when when it becomes such a game of chance and you know balls are bouncing into spots that they shouldn't be bouncing to because the golf course is is borderline unplayable then it's not a test of skill you know right. it's it's completely a, a test of of luck or more a test of luck than anything else i think what it always comes down to for me is if you see a good shot being punished mm-hmm. like that's my line of was that fair or not right and you know, I think we've heard enough from all the players in the U.S. Open that right. plenty of good shots were getting punished. Right. I mean, it was some really good stuff. Uh, the Fried Egg, which is a really entertaining um, podcast and Twitter handle, had some good insight into this. They're they're of the belief that even even the shots that looked quote unquote fluky or looked like bad bounces were still coming from. Um, not ideal angles and that they didn't play the golf course the right way. I mean, it's just uh, the yeah. real architecture cognoscenti has real opinions about how the golf course was set up. And they're of the belief that it was, it was, it was fine. It was fair mm-hmm. that that was, that's part of the test that was presented before them. I just still think that um, the other side of it is even if it was really hard, but fair, you know, uh, Having golfers be so defensive and so um, so leery of making big mistakes doesn't make for a great entertainment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. And it's like what you were talking about with you know the rules dispute earlier. Like clearly something went wrong because there was so much argument and discussion about it. So right. clearly something went wrong with the setup that there was so much discussion right, about the, it by the players. Right, after. but to Rocco, not to, to Rocco Mediate's point, it's all coming from players who are quote unquote soft or ill equipped to handle <laughs> real challenges and are used to golf courses being set up the way they want them to be set up. And that's the that that is yeah. the difference is that PGA tour courses are set up um, sort of with the player not to say that they make the golf courses easy because they're very difficult. But of course. you know the the PGA tour is run by the pga tour players for the most part and Mm -hmm. so the courses are set up on a kind of an agreed upon level and they like the way they're set up and the usga is this sort of outside agency and they've gone out of their way to make the golf courses overly difficult they're not there to endear themselves to the players and right. they like it when there's guys a lot get to frustrated. Be, yeah, there's a lot to be said for that. But then that's why what Tiger brought up was important because the RNA is not the PGA Tour. Right. Well, the one thing I will say is, and this is one of my big, my big um, bones of contention with the USJ, and I can't believe we're still talking about this, is that the <laughs> RNA recognizes that sometimes a wind blows and sometimes it doesn't. And you set up a golf course aware that um, – Wind can be a great defense, mm-hmm. and it can be make golf courses really difficult. But there is the chance that if the wind doesn't blow, 
that the golf course is vulnerable and they're yeah. they're at peace with that. And yeah. I like I like that mentality. That's mm-hmm. just the way. And I feel like the mistake that the USGA made, in my opinion, and I know a lot of people disagree with me, the mistake the USGA made on that Saturday in particular was on a day when the golf course was um, seemed seemed placid. Mm-hmm. They set it up difficult without even thinking about the possibility that the wind could blow and what would happen then. Mm-hmm. So I think um, it was interesting to see other tour players kind of jump on what Tiger said. I'm thinking of Ian Poulter in particular saying that, you know, with players like Tiger and Phil reacting negatively, like that's the only way that a change is actually going to happen. And I thought that, like, that's a nice thought, but like I don't yeah, think anything's going to change. I do, I do yeah. respect the fact that I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I do respect the fact that the USGA uh, sticks to its guns and things like this. You I, know, yeah. like I mean, they really stuck to it at Shinnecock, and they've dug in their heels. This is the way I want to be. If they were, if they were so overly affected by. Uh, negative feedback or player criticism, they would have caved a long time ago. A long ago. time ago, absolutely. And they've decided this is the way this we're going to be. Yep. And I mean, there's something to be said for that. I don't agree with it, but it's interesting. So, um, all right, well, that's good. We got a, this is the, it's 4th of July week. We're recording this on Monday. You got oh a lot boy. of any golf planned? This? I, yeah, I'm sticking around the area. So I'm playing some, you know, some public golf. Which oh, is going to be you. some Woman of the people. slow rounds out yeah. there this weekend. Fourth of July, <laughs> uh, 10 a.m., 97 uh, yeah. degrees. I uh, Yeah, I would say I'm looking forward to it, but, yeah, it's going to be a slog out there. Yeah. That's all right. How about, are you playing? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's why yeah, you that, asked it was me one, if You know, it's I'm like playing. one of those questions. You, you ask the question hoping that someone's going like, to ask you the question Sam back. Sam doesn't care if I'm playing. Yeah. He just wants to say he's playing. Yeah. yeah, so I do have a couple <laughs> uh, couple rounds scheduled at my home course in Rye, and then on Friday, a, uh, a buddy of mine was gracious enough to host, host me, or is gracious enough to invite me to Fisher's Island, which I've never played, which is supposedly it's amazing. amazing. So just like Alex went hole by hole of his golf trip, next week my plan is to go hole by hole of Fisher's Island. I could go Maybe hole shot by, by hole. Shot. I could go hole by hole right now of my trip to Fishers. Okay. If everybody wants to sit here for yeah. two hours. Yeah. Maybe we'll make that like a bonus podcast. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Bonus episode. All right. Well, anyway, until then, uh, I, I'm uh, I'm grateful for everyone for listening. Thank you to Keely Levins for joining us. Thank you to David Toms. Thanks to Alex Myers for calling in. And, um, again, if you haven't done so, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating. And check back next week where I'll go hole by hole, shot by shot, <laughs> from Fisher's Island.